to share with all of us and beginning with all of us in saying that it's just like what you said, because we don't we hope that it's not different from what we intend to do what we plan to do about the name of the family of man. God's purpose is to be established. See, the more we grow in him and the more we start loving him, that's all we want. What he wants. So that's a sign of your growth, your maturity, and your desire, you know, for self and really opening up to the Lord. And I can pray for
grown up in certain areas, certain backgrounds, certain communities, certain family and lineages and heritage and cultures. And so we have identified those things, you know, as part of who we are. You know, certain foods we like to eat, certain music we listen to. But none of that has anything to do with what God has done for us. And so it is difficult, really, to make a break. Because even when we come into Christianity, even when we come into the things of God, if we're not under the right teaching and the right foundation, we come in with the same mindset we had in the world. So we come in with that knowledge of who we think we are, you know, we're brown, we're Smith, there's another Smith that just made it hot for the Lord, another brown that got saved, and then we still, you know, reflect on our family upbringing or our circumstances, our situation or things that might have transpired in our life, or the things that we're trying to achieve or obtain in life. We really never stop and sit back and say, this is new for me. Now, God, what it is that you intended for me before the foundation of the world? We never ask God those questions. Who have you made me to be or to become? We never ask those questions. We just take on what we already know about ourselves and just put it in the things of God. And then now if we see that there's some things that are out of place or out of whack, then we take God and we try to use him to straighten those things out without ever consulting from him if this is the life that you really called me to live, number one. I don't care how old I am. I'm never too old to come to God. I'm never too old to repent. And that word repent simply means to change your mind, to change your direction. I'm never too old to turn around. And so we have a body of believers who believe in one thing but don't believe in the other thing. Or we have a body of believers that are stuck and are not witnessing the power, the authority, you know, all the things that God said we were supposed to be obtaining and we were supposed to be doing in this life, in, in our life. We're not witnessing it, we're not seeing it, because we have never really come to grips to the point of saying, nevertheless, not my will, but the will of God be done. And then it's even worse because we, we surround ourselves with teachers and not, you know, by default, because if, we, if we're looking for, you know, relationship and going to ministry to kind of, you know, build ourselves up, we're forced to, uh, we are forced to be in settings where, you know, leadership is not directing us the proper way or saying things that we need to hear that will empower us, that will strengthen us, that will cause us to grow in the things of God, because they might be intimidated. If we ever get a hold of this thing for real, we might say, we don't, we don't need you no more, or we don't need to be here no more, we got to move on. Matter of fact, God has shifted me to another level, and I think that you need to be and listen to the revelation God is giving me. Because this is a body ministry. I'm being real with you. This is a body ministry. And there's seasons, there's times. The Bible says there's a time and season for every purpose under the heaven. So you might have had your time. Because you might be the kindergarten teacher. But I'm called to be that college professor. So you might need to come to college. Because I graduated from kindergarten. You know, Paul talks in his word. He said, you know, there's the, the level of milk for babies. 
And if you're still where you are five years ago, six years ago, in your relationship with God, you know, hearing the same thing over and over is a sign that you haven't grown. And we want to do something about that. But let, let's just back up for a moment and then we're going to soar. Because there's just some powerful truth in God's word that I'm wondering why we don't hear this on a regular basis. And it's in his word. But I know why. Because, you know, the worst thing that anybody that's a power wants to do is empower somebody else because they feel that their power might be threatened. I mean, it was so when Jesus came on the scene, Herod was ruler, and he knew that there was going to be a king coming. He didn't know where, why. And so he just sent out a decree. I want you to kill all male seed from the age of two and under. Because I know I sent something. And I know it's in that time bracket. But if I can wipe out all the male seed, two and under, I think I got a grip on it. Can you imagine what the plan of the enemy was for our life? And try to wipe us out or distract us before we came to maturity and before we start growing in the things of God. If he could have got us at that instant stage, but God didn't allow him to do it. So let's look at 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, and let's look at the sixth verse. Do you have it down with you? Now, we're going to be dealing with knowing self, so you write those three areas down, accepting self and developing self. When I'm talking about knowing self, I'm talking about knowing who we are from God's perspective. But that's all that matters right now. Ain't what my mama said, ain't what my daddy said, and what my neighbor said, what my culture said, my race said. Understand that because there's a whole lot of that stuff going on, you know, with, with, with these teachings. You know, it ain't what I said, but it's what God said. And it's because of what his son has done on Calvary for all mankind that he's not going to allow his son to put all that work in on the cross for us just to pick and choose what we want. And not follow his orders. So we we want to look at that. This is going to be real powerful. And I tell you, every time I read, you know, I just have to walk away from the table sometimes and just walk away because of the impact of magnitude. Paul writes, and he's writing to a church. We talked about this briefly last week. A very gifted church, a church that came behind and no gift, lacking in nothing. The things that things are all powerful. All miracles, all fruits, and all these things to the point that it took the Spirit of God in the presence of God and the things that God has gifted them with for granted. To the point that they were looking just like Israel when they came out of Egypt, looked on the other side and put the grass was green on the other side. And they thought they needed to help God. And, and they were dissatisfied with the things that God was giving them, so they would look outside and look at other cultures, look at other religions and other, you know, idol worships and things like that. So, well, we can, we can add a little of this in. We can add a little some of this in. You know, we can talk on this. We can talk on that. It's almost like what's happening today in the church world. You know, we get our identity from the world when the world is trying to find God. We find, we're looking at the world. So we try to put all these entertainment things and all these secular things in what's supposed to be holy in separated and sacred unto God. I mean, I'm just telling you my pet peeve, you know, I, I, 
Come on now. Say it, bro. So we need to understand and be confident with our peculiarness. Wow. And the difficulties that we are going to have. I was riding over here and I said to my wife, I said, I I said, isn't this strange? I said that the average teacher, pastor, is preaching to us a message from a soulless realm. And what do I mean by that, a soulless realm? The fact that they can identify with all the struggles we have in our flesh or with our flesh. It could be, you know, anger. It could be jealousy. It could be you know, uh, unhappiness, it could be rejection, it could be all these different things. And they'll find subject matters to teach on, mm-hmm. to try to get you to see how you can overcome it, you know, how you work along with it, you know, it's part of you, you know, and it's something you got to deal with, so let's find ways, and they become motivational of this 
world. You know, because you got people that's talking from out of their head, and then you got the prince of this world that is spewing deception and delusion to people and distorting things. We talked last week of the word cosmos, where we get the word Greek word world from come from the English word cosmetic, which is the arrangement of things. Women wear cosmetics to change and alter, you know, certain things about themselves. And that's the same word that is used in the scripture when we talk about Satan being the prince and the power of the air and the power of this world. His whole agenda is to alter things, you know, to change the appearance of things, to make things look different than what it really is. And so we get caught up in that. He makes things shine. Everything that blings and shine ain't gold. He makes things look so pretty. He makes people look so appealing. You know, he appeals to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, and he ensnares us if we're not careful with those things. So he has a way of sharing, you know, within his own set of wisdom and how things are done. And so the Bible says, but we seek the wisdom in the seventh verse of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. In other words, there's two steps here. There's something that God has already opened up unto us, and then there's something that's still reserved to be opened. <laughs> there's some things reserved to be revealed. Think about that for a moment. There's some things we already know, because there's people that God has already used prior to us coming on the scene and shared with us the heart and the mind of God. But they didn't have everything. So, in different times and seasons, God brings people like us about, uh, and share with us other information about him that we have to share. And if we don't share it, they wouldn't know. In other words, there's levels of understanding concerning the revelation of God that's reserved for us to tell people. Wow. And if we don't tell them, they won't know. So we limit their growth. So that's why the enemy fights so hard to keep you from even paying attention to who you really are because he knows what's inside of you. Hoping that you never get to the point of understanding who you really are so you can know what you're supposed to be doing. Because once you realize what you're supposed to be doing and what you're supposed to be saying, you're going to bring deliverance to another generation of people. But if he can keep, keep you, to keep your mouth shut, somebody's still going to stay trapped. Somebody's going to still stay in bondage. Somebody's going to still walk around hopeless. Somebody's going to still stay stuck. Because you never opened your mouth with the aspect or the next dimension of the revelation of God that will free them up. Paul said, how would they know? He said, how can we call on the name of Jesus that we've never heard about? And he said, how can we hear if there's no preacher? And how can you preach if you haven't been sent? In other words, the deliverance 
we're living together with Christ, and by grace you are saved and have raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. First of all, we got to even meditate on where we sit. Mm. We're tied into this thing with Christ. And wherever Christ is or whatever Christ is doing, we have access to the same anointing, the same power. And we got to understand that. we got to stop with this natural-mindedness and this situation of life that we're going through and start looking at ourselves and elevating our minds and thoughts. But I want to get to something. He said that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not a work that any man should boast. Now we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, what he's saying is that God has already ordained that we were supposed to walk in his works. Whatever he desired, and whatever he wants done, he ordained that we carry it out for him. But look at the stuff we carry. We carry depression. We carry unhappiness. We carry anxiety. Woe is me. We carry all this, this baggage from our past and our family history and stuff like that. And God says, oh, no, 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 no,
kingdom. How come you say things like, I am, before Abraham was? Are you out of your mind? Council kingdom. What are you saying that's making people scratch their head when they ask you a question? Now, you know, they don't ask you a question. Because, see, we want to blend in. We want to talk talk to everybody else is talking on what we think is popular. We want to be able to get in on all the conversations that we're looking for approval and stuff like that. But the worst thing we want to do is go somewhere and be the oddball. Complicated. But let me tell you something. What's on the inside of us caused us to stand out from anything that's going on in this world. So we got to accept it. Paul reads even further. He says, because of the Spirit of God that's on the inside of us and the wisdom that we have, he says that it causes confusion among this world system. Because we speak in a mystery. And he says that the average minded man don't understand what we say. But we get upset when people don't know if we're really talking about God, like we're supposed to talk to things of God, and they don't understand us, we get bent out of shape. And we should. Because we're not supposed to come down to their level. They're supposed to be coming up to our level. Now, I'm going to share something with you that's wisdom. Just in terms of what we read in Romans, the 8th chapter. Romans, the 8th chapter. This is going to really help you, hopefully, encourage you. And I don't think we really know what we're up against. And it's not until we experience these things that we're supposed to really rejoice. That's what James said, you know, when we fall into diverse temptations, we ought to be rejoicing. You know, because we're supposed to be feeling the opposition coming our way because we're in this world and we're not up And when we're sitting under the wrong teachings, it makes us think that we're supposed to flow with the spirit of this world and the things that the world experiences. Like we're really supposed to be able to accommodate these ungodly feelings that take place in our lives. We're supposed to be able to, you know, just accommodate. And that's not even supposed to be a part of our nature. Do you imagine, can you imagine just for a moment, when you just like journey with me to this phantom, that the scripture declares that greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. Let's meditate on that for a second. I got the greatest thing in me that can ever be active in the world. Think about that for a second. Greater. Not similar. Not on the same level. Not equal par. I got the greater than anything that has taken place in this world. On the inside of me. Now where does that position Think about it. Where or how am I supposed to be positioned? 
do I, I, I ignore the greater and go with the lesser? Because that's what I've been doing. Because I've been identifying. I hear stories of people in the world that's not even serving Christ. They'd be like, I, I, I don't know what they're talking about. You do? We watch television shows and we take on some of them characters. Or even, you know, side with some of those incidents. That's not supposed to be us. We're not supposed to be identified with those same kind of situations because there's a greater one on the inside of us. That's not our reality. But we don't see it that way because we still are stuck in this natural environment. And the Bible says that we are in this world, not of this world, and we are not naturally minded. We don't have that capacity no more to judge things based on five senses. We have an element of a sixth sense that's called faith, that even if we can't touch it, taste it, see it, feel it, we still can believe it. Because we have a capacity of faith on the inside of us that God gave us that can cause us to soar like an eagle above circumstances and situations and cause those things to be not as though they were. But we don't tap into it. We don't live from it. The Bible says that we're supposed to live from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. Am I full scripture? Mm-hmm. Isn't the just supposed to be living by your five senses or the natural? You don't live by what you cut, taste, feel, see, and, and handle with your hands. Because that's temporary. Mm-hmm. God gave us eternal perspective that we can see things beyond the seen. While we look not at the things that are seen, because they're temporal. But the things that are unseen, in other words, I kick in evil strength, and now when the circumstances want me to be limited in what I've seen about it, I have the ability to make an adjustment and rise above it and see something else from it that won't let me be limited to it. Oh, my God. To see something else about it that I don't have to be limited to it. And not only that, I have the ability to speak it and turn it around if I need to. Well, I don't do that. Then I got the nerve to surround myself around people and bring them in on it. Child, you know what I'm going through this week? And then I call other people. Another ducks. Because I can't go after another eagle to say, here, let me help you soar above it. Let me help you fly above it. Yeah, I see the storm, but it ain't going to get me because I can go above it. Yeah, I see the trap, but it ain't going to get me because I can fly above it. That's the ability of eagle. And he said he gives us eagle wings. So why am I hanging out with the pigeons? Why am I hanging out with the buzzards? As if I can't go no further than that. It makes no sense to me. It 
first verse, let me have it come with you. Paul writes, he says, There is therefore no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I can stop right there. He said, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For then nothing in the natural can strap me or hold me down. He said, for the new, for the law, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent in his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. We're going to teach about that in weeks to come. I'm going to get to a point. He said, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Let's just identify that when he talks about walking after when the Bible talks about us walking after the flesh, it's talking about us walking after our natural senses, our natural man, the man that is governed strictly by five senses and attached to this environment, what he can see, what he can hear, what he can taste, what he can touch, the natural man. This world has already been judged. Because it has a, a rule. And he has already distorted and perverted everything. So when you get caught up in this world, you get caught up in deception. And you get caught up in delusion and perversion. But your five senses is automatically like a magnet to this world. You automatically see the perversions, you see the deception, but you don't know it's perversion, you don't know it's deception, you just know things are here. And whatever appeals to you, that's what you get caught up in, in this world. But it's already condemned and judged. So you're getting caught up in unrighteousness. Anything in this world, you're getting caught up. In ungodliness, anything in this world, you get caught up in perversion. But your five senses know how to attach and attract to those things. So it's already doomed. So God says, in order for you to become victorious, I got to place in you something greater in your five senses and give you the ability to see further than this world system. So you won't have to get caught in the trap and get stuck. So I give you a spirit that I renew your spirit so you can have fellowship and communication with me again so you won't be just limited to what you can hear from your natural ear, what you can see from your natural eyes, what you can feel with your natural hands. I have already recreated your spirit, man, so now you have another way of communicating and seeing things for what they really are. Because you have my wisdom, the mind of the God who created all things. And I place in you my spirit that searches all things, that know all things, so you won't be led astray. Isn't that powerful? I place in you my spirit who knows all things, who teaches you all things, who brings all things back to your remembrance, so you won't have to be limited to what you are only able to obtain through your five senses, which is your natural man. So 
right there in Jesus. That's not how you're supposed to get that accomplishing. It's accomplishing. So now because I've placed my spirit in you, and you have the spirit of God, you become complicated to this world. Because now you're seeing things totally different from what they see. You're able to understand things totally different from the way they understand it. And you become complicated. Let me tell you how complicated you become. He says, the sixth verse, for they that are after the flesh do mind, or their mindset is only capable to deal with things of the flesh. Wow. If you only have that natural mind that you've not been born again, you can only deal with it, and you're only limited to what you see, taste, touch, and see. Can you imagine that? That's all I'm capable of is seeing you because you got on a blue top and black pants and know nothing else about you because I can't see nothing else about you. I can only know as much as I can see with my natural eyes. I have no discernment. I can't see that you're a woman of God. I can't see that God is called. I can't see that God is anointed you. And I must have relationship with you because part of my destiny is wrapped up in you. I can't see that. But the fact that I can't see that, I'm losing part of my life support system. I'm losing part of my life support. I'm asking for help, but now... Help has come, and I can't get it because I can't see you as a help. Because wow. I can't see no further than what you got on right now, and you being a woman. I know nothing about your standing in God to bring deliverance to me. And because I don't know that because I can't see that, and I don't have faith to believe that, I'm almost dead. I'm almost out of here because I'm supposed to be drawing strength from you. Uh-huh. I'm supposed to be getting assistance from you. They that are strong bear the infirmities of the weak, but because I can't see no strength in you, I'm crying out for help, but I'm here with you. I don't even know who's my mandate. Because I'm only functioning from the natural mind. And that's limited. That's limited. That's the wisdom of this world. That's why I didn't know who Jesus was. The only thing I could identify with him was that his mother's name was Mary and his father's name was Joseph. I had no idea he was the Messiah. Because I only saw him from my five senses. Only knew him from the natural mind. And so when he came and started talking to me as a Messiah, I wanted to kill him because it was complicated. It made no sense what he was saying. Wow. Uh, Made no sense to me what he was saying. Because I had said enough in me to recognize what was in him. And can I tell you, this is why you have to struggle with people around you. Because they have no understanding and nothing else 
So when you start moving around them and talking amongst them, you sound complicated. <laughs> you sound real typical. Your moves are always questionable. What you doing in Samaria? You're supposed to be a religious man. Only wicked people hang out over there. So if you was really who you say you was, you would never be over there. Why are you talking to that woman? She's a heart. She's sleeping with everybody in the hospital. How can you say you who you are and you sitting there having conversations with a heart? Complicated. It's complicated. How do you go to a home of a man that's stealing all our money? He's a tax collector. He's a thief. How you gonna have dinner with him? What's wrong with you? Complicated. You can't be who you say you are. How can you sit there and let a woman just shower you with perfume? And we know what her background is. Yeah. That don't look right. That's none of us. And you say you're the Messiah. Thank you. 
comes with that is a combo. You get life and you get peace. We run around, oh, sir, I just got so much on my mind. That's because you're only thinking about yourself. You call to me, like, Sir, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm telling you, I've just been thinking all week. <laughs> worrying all week. Lord. Yeah, because you're only thinking for yourself. Lord. How can you worry when you're thinking, who can I go to and bless this? Exactly. How can you be stressed out thinking like that? Who can I go to the hospital and get help this week? How are you going to be stressed out like that? That doesn't even sound right. But let me see what he said here. He says, because the seventh verse, the carnal mind is enmity for God. Now, if you have the King James Version, that's what it says. But let me give you a real definition of that word. It might be something I translated. He said, because the carnal mind hates God. Wow. That's a strong word. That's a strong word. He said, it hates God. And it says, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. In other words, it can never obey God. Oh, my God, I ain't never heard that part. Oh, wow. Jesus. Good. Honey, where you at? I need you to come read the translation. Wow. Somebody, if you can pull an amplified translation up on your phone, pull it up. But I want you to see it. But see, this is stuff we ain't taught. You walking in your five senses is the biggest battle and the biggest war against the will of the word of God. Because before you were even trying to obey God through your five senses, 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 uh, senses, you want to know too much. And that right there opens the door for doubt. See, your five senses always take you in doubt mode when it comes to God. And that's why I can never please God. Because the Bible said without faith it's impossible to please Him. You can't have doubt and faith at the same time. So the moment you start questioning God with doubt, you have already ruled out pleasing Him. And then if you stay in doubt long enough, you'll also travel down the road of murmuring and complaining why I shouldn't do it, God. Why I don't want to do it, God. Why this don't make sense, God. And you become like Israel in a generation that God has to wipe out because of their unbelief. He said, I wipe the generation out because they doubted me, they murmured and complained. And if the enemy can ever get you to doubt by staying in your five senses when God begins to speak to you, he knows you're going to bring damage and destruction to yourself. He ain't got to do nothing else to you. You're doing it to yourself. He ain't got to do nothing else to you. He just gets you when God's word starts speaking and going forth, you go in the natural. Wow. He's trying to get you by when God starts speaking his word, you're trying to ascertain it in the natural. Because then you're down taking the word of God to your own carnal process. Let me fact check. 
process of doubt. Faith said, I don't need the fact check. I just know it's God and I got to obey. See, faith ruled out the five senses. That's why he gave us the message. And we talked about it last week. We use it for everything else except the God. I can use it for takeout. I can use it to fly on the plane without checking for a pilot. I can use it for takeout without checking whether or not there's a real chef in the kitchen. Wow. And if they didn't steal my credit card when I gave it to them over the phone, I can use it for stuff I want, desire. But now I go into flesh and doubt when it comes to using it for God. Is that God? God really tell us to do that. The God really tells me that. The God really tells me that. God said, get up, six o'clock in the morning for prayer. I know there ain't God. <laughs> I know there ain't God. I, I don't know if I like this. <laughs> God said, I want you to go in the game. There ain't God. <laughs> God said, he said, I need my dad. <laughs>
want me to doubt what I Because see, the experience is reserved in my natural body, my memories. So now God is saying, I'm getting ready to open up a new door. I'm getting ready to take you somewhere you've never been. I'm getting ready to do things for you that I've never done. And you sitting there looking at your experience. I ain't never finished college. I know that I don't even have no money in the bank. How can he tell me he can't wait to give me a business? That doesn't even make no sense. That's complicated. How can he tell me he's getting ready to give me a post, a promotion, and I ain't got a degree? How come he don't tell me I'm going to have my own business? And I've never been in business before. Natural Take information like that. Because you know what? Now what has to happen is that you're going to have to disregard the natural and start moving in the spirit. And you ain't depending on the natural man no more. And anytime something is not in use, when it used to be the thing that ruled you, it has a problem. It has a problem. Because it wants to fight for its position. So you know what it starts doing? It starts bombarding you with all experiences. To prove to you we know what we're talking about. They can't be God. But you remember? Don't you remember? Didn't you do this? Didn't they say this? Didn't your mama tell you this? Didn't your daddy tell you this? Didn't your co-worker tell you this? It started just stuff just come out of woodwork that you didn't even remember. To try to legitimize its dominancy in your life before you start living your life. It hates something. Can't be something for God. So why are we dependent on? Why are we using it? Why are we using it? We got to get rid of it. But Paul further says in Romans, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind has to be renewed for the purpose of proving and testing what is that good, what is that acceptable and perfect will of God. Because your mind will cause you to doubt. So in other words, if you want to prove and test that God's word is acceptable, perfect, and true, you're going to have to make some adjustments. Any questions? 